It's Tuesday, June 2nd, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by our tribe beat writer, Paul Hoynes. Paul, uh, it, it seems like as we drag on each day in these negotiations between the, the league and the Players Association, they, they're, they're sort of falling back into their old habits of you know, making a proposal and then bickering about it in the media. And the latest thing that we've seen come out on Monday evening was a report from Jeff Passan over at ESPN that the owners had a, a discussion about salaries and the idea of playing just a 50-game schedule was bounced around and, and paying the players their full prorated salaries at just that 50-game schedule, which would leave them somewhere in the, the vicinity of uh, like a 30% uh, of what they would normally earn from, from their original salaries. Yeah, uh, you know, I wonder um, what the uh, percentage is between an 82-game season and a 50-game season. Uh, you know, I'm wondering what, what the difference is between that uh, with the players uh, getting a prorated portion of their salary. So, um, you know, I think it's probably a bargaining bargaining ploy. I think everything right now is, is that way. Um, you know, it, it really brings you back to that March 27th uh, agreement, Joe. I mean, whoever drew this up, man, they, they just caused a uh, – like a, you know, a three alarm fire, you know, they just, uh, and you know, there's so many ins and outs to this thing and the language is so vague that both sides can interpret it to their, uh, to their well being. I guess maybe that's why, uh, they, they agreed on it. It was so vague that, you know, there's so many loopholes in it, you know, yeah, the players, uh, can say, you know, uh, they, they, they agreed to, they already took their pay cut, their prorated, uh, salaries uh, the, the owners can say if the if uh, the fans if there's no fans in the sands we can come back and ask you for another pay cut and uh you know it's just going to go round and round until somebody you know some adult in the room just says stop okay this is what we're going to do here's what we got to do to have the have a season and, and go on from there it, it, it sure looks that way and I guess from the owner's side of things, they, they believe, the, the league believes that that agreement gives the commissioner's office the right to set the number of games. However, the, the players are noting that if you, you look at the language, it says that they, the two sides agree to play the most full and complete, the most number of games, the, the most full schedule that they can. So there, there's a bit of a disconnect there if the the, the league is saying that, we can schedule, you know, fewer games in order to cost us less money in salary, but the the agreement says uh, we're supposed to play as, as many as 82, as many as 114, as many as they can fit in as is economically feasible. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of a 50-game season, Joe? Is uh, that even worth playing? Well, that's that was going to be my next question to you is, and I know you've brought this up to pretty much every player that we've interviewed uh, over the last several weeks on this podcast, and it's a concern, definitely. Is a 50-game schedule a legitimate championship schedule? Is it, is it enough to get a, you know, a, a feel for where a team is in a season? You know, 50 games into a season, you're, you're still, you've still got guys batting over 400. Yeah, I mean, maybe the whole team will bat 400. Who knows? But, like, you know, everybody says, you know, you draw – you, you kind of find out what your team is for, you know, like 
a quarter of the way into the season, 40 mm-hmm. games into the season. So under normal circumstances, you'd just be, you know, ending the feeling out process. And now this would be, you know, you're going down to home stretch in, in a 50-game season. And who knows if uh, you're in or out or, you know, what, what those, ten, those last 10 games are going to hold. Well, think about it. Last year's World Series champions, uh, I believe the, the, the Nationals were like 29 and 31 at one point. Uh, right. So, yeah. So yeah, you're you're talking, you know, sixty games into a a schedule, and and they their season was was almost over, and they turned things around and came back and won the World Series. So yeah, it's def- baseball is a marathon, and it always has been, and you want to get as much of a feeling of that as you, as you can. If you if you can't run a marathon, then you definitely got to run an eight hundred or a you know, a, a two miler or something like that. You can't just 10 K you got to run a 10 K right half a marathon. You can't just run the, run the 100 and call it a, a, a championship season. I, I can't believe that. Uh, and, and I don't, that's like a college season. Go college teams play more college teams, play more games than that. Definitely. And uh, I just, what does that do to your rotations and, and all sorts of, all sorts of questions. Uh, it would be, it would be really uh, innovative. You know, I think, you know, how you use your players, it would really come into play how they, you might find a few, you know, changes, you know, like Francona in 2016, how he used Andrew Miller. Who knows what would happen? You know, you, there would be some innovation, I think, too. And well, I think players would have to change, you know, how does this change a player's a take, you know, approach to the season? Some guys kind of, you know, work into the season, but you couldn't even work into a season. If you're old for 20, you're probably on the bench. Right. And, and it's managing a, a team that is only playing a 50, 50 game schedule and you've got holes in your roster to begin with. That's, that's got to drive a manager crazy. If, if uh, you know, your, your seven, eight, nine hitters are, are killing you every time. Or if you're, if your cleanup guy isn't getting the job done, you're going to be moving and changing lineups and, and rosters constantly just to find that right formula. Yeah, and you always like, you know, when the season starts, some team always comes out of nowhere and wins, goes your first thir- th- 13-0 and 0 or, or, you know, 10-3. and 3, They start the season like that. You have a start like that, you no matter, you know, what kind of team you have, you could really almost live off that right. and, you know, make the postseason if the, if the postseason is expanded. I, I guess the appeal of an 82-game schedule is that you would have more of a sense of who those top, teams are that the, the, the playoff contenders you already know by midseason who those those teams are going to be they've had their you know get out of the gate early and then maybe regress and then get a hot streak or something like that they they've gone through a, a, enough as a team where they they know who they are they found their tito always talks about you know a team figuring out who they are and finding their identity and at what point in the season i i think an 82 game schedule gives you much more of a chance to at least be at that point by the end of that, those 82 games. And then you go into a, a, an expanded playoff format. Major league, the last thing major league baseball wants is to play 50 games and have uh, teams like the, the Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, anything like that, uh, you know, keep them from making the postseason because those are the TV markets that they certainly want uh, for that the, the, the playoff money when that comes around. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, 
know, just looking at the Indians, you know, traditionally, at least under Frank Kona, they played better in the second half. 50-game season, what's the second half like? Oh, dear. <laughs> no, you're not – in the regular season, you're just kind of lo- loosening up after 50 games. Well, I mean, but, you know, the, the bonus is they're not starting the season in March or April, which, you know, is, is the cold time. At least Carlos Santana uh, will will be a little bit more warmed up by then. So yeah, yeah, but it's interesting, and I think it's you know I think it's you know just a, another shot across the bow. You know, right. They get the negotiating ploy, and you know they'll they'll get this thing worked out eventually. You would hope. You would hope. So gun to your head, uh, yes or no? Uh, Fifty game schedule. Do you think that's actually going to happen? No, no. I I would agree. I would say the same thing. I, I definitely think, though, by threatening that and by putting it out there, that it's an indication that we will definitely get some form of of games or of baseball, whether it's a, a, a you know a shortened season and a and a big tournament or an eighty two game schedule. I, I I just doubt that we'll get the one hundred and fourteen games that the the players sort of threw out there. Yeah, that doesn't sound playing baseball through October the regular season and playing having the playoffs in what Thanksgiving or whatever they were talking about. Yeah. I, I can't see I can't see uh the, the World Series running up against uh you know Christmas shopping. That's just not not something that uh, we're we're gonna run into. Uh, all right, moving on, uh headlines today, Carlos Carrasco and the concern over the Indians uh presumptive number three starter, whether or not he will start the season with the Indians uh based on his uh, you know, fight against leukemia and uh, his compromised immune system and the coronavirus. Uh, what's the latest uh, that, that you've heard and that you've, you've written about uh, Carlos here this week? You know, uh, the latest is I, I think this, my sense is that he'll play, you know, but uh, I put this, uh, you know, in our, uh, in our subtext, I put, you know, I offered, you know, the, a poll for uh, our subtext users and uh the majority said Carlos should not play, you know, should not play, should sit out the season, you know, train for next for, you know, 2021. The health risk is too great and uh, that the Indians should pay him anyways. And I think it, it sounds to me like, Joe, that, that might be the easiest thing that, that, to negotiate between the two parties. If, mm-hmm. if, a par- if a player has an underlying condition, you know, he can opt out and would still get paid what, whatever, at whatever rate, you know, everyone else gets paid at. Right, that's that's clearly the uh, you know the most reasonable approach to it. If a player is compromised in any way or is around people who are compromised and doesn't want to risk his health or the health of his family, uh, you know, give him a pass. Let him let him go and and let him let him make his prorated salary or whatnot. And however, if a player you know doesn't meet those qualifications and just says, "Hey, I'm going to sit out this." this season because because I'm too scared or yeah. you know and and I guess too scared is a, is a bad way of characterizing it but you know if, if that's the approach and you don't have an underlying reason then you know getting your service time would be yeah uh, an acceptable uh alternative so yeah I I think that's I'm surprised that the the majority of the fans that responded to you said that they wouldn't want to see Carlos you know would want to see Carlos sit out uh I I, I kind of get the sense from Carlos that he wants to be out there and he, he wants to do anything he can to get back on the, on the field. And I think he will, but uh, yeah. yeah, that's, that's interesting. I think, you know, with him, 
coming back from leukemia last year. I mean, he was bound and determined. And I don't know if he's going to let the virus, you know, get in this way. But, but you know, you don't want to put words in Carlos's mouth. And like we were talking to, uh, you know, Carl Willis, uh, that he's been throwing bullpens, that he's been working out on this, that he's been training. So I think, you know, all, all signals, all points, everything points to him pitching again. But the Indians, uh, you know, really, uh, what, you know, they, they just said, you know, our main concern is, is the health of our players and, uh, we're, and the staff members, and we're going to do everything possible to protect them. So we'll have to see how that goes. But, I, you know, I think, uh, I think he'll, he'll be on the mound if there is a season. All right. All right, moving on. Uh, the Major League Baseball draft coming up here at the end of the week, Friday and Saturday, the, uh, the Indians had the 23rd and 36th overall picks uh, on the first night. Uh, we will be speaking at some point uh, on, on Tuesday to Scott Barnsby, the, the Indians' uh, director of scouting, and we'll, we'll sort of try and get a sense from him where the Indians are uh, leading up to the draft. And then uh, tomorrow's podcast, Wednesday, we'll do a, a pretty much as, as full of a uh, draft preview as we can. Um, we spoke to, uh, you know, like you said, Carl Willis. We spoke to, uh, you know, a couple of other folks and, and just tried to get a sense of where maybe the Indians might be leaning towards uh, if they're, if they're going to pick a, a high school kid and try and develop him or uh, a college player and, and try and get him uh, somebody who's, who's more ready to be in the league right away. Um, just, you know, your thoughts as we head into trying to, to you know, get a sense from Barnsby of, of what the Indians' plan is going to be. Well, you know, just, you know, if you go back on past history, we've, as we've said before, I mean, the last five number one picks, I think, have been high school players. You know, so, you know, I, I don't know. I, obviously, that's a, that's a bit of a trend. Um, I think, uh, well, who was the last, uh, last, uh, last college player was, yeah, it was Zimmer in uh, 2014. Right. Aiken wasn't really Brady Aiken was the number one pick in 2015, but he wasn't, he wasn't in college. He was a year beyond his senior year in high school, but he had gone to the IMG camp in uh, Florida and, and that's where he hurt his arm and hasn't right. been the same guy since. Right. Okay. Well, uh, you know, just looking forward to that, uh, that, that'll be uh, a lot of content for the, the end of the week and hopefully we'll, we'll be up against it because they'll, they'll be making a decision on the schedule as well. So who, who knows if, if we get that, that kind of information by the end of this week, but we'll, we'll definitely be welcoming at least uh, two new members to the, uh, the Indians franchise and, and farm system uh, by, by, by Friday night. Uh, you know, just wanted to get into uh, another one of our, our Indians on this day in history posts. Uh, Today's the 10 year anniversary of the 28 out perfect game. Uh, you were in Detroit and watched Armando Galarraga uh, take it to 26 outs against the Indians. And then on the 27th out, uh, Jason Donald ground ball to Miguel Cabrera uh, beats uh, Galarraga beats Donald to the bag, but Jim Joyce, the umpire at first uh, calls Donald safe. Uh, goodbye. No hitter. Goodbye. Perfect game. Uh, but he, you know, rebounds, gets Trevor Crow with the, the final out, the, the 28th battery face that night. Uh, what was your immediate takeaway when, when Joyce made that safe call as you were sitting in the press box at Comerica Park? 
I thought, God, that's that's a perfect game. I can't believe he blew that call. And uh, everybody came out charging out. You know, uh, Leland was the manager, and he came out. There were, everybody was yelling. And I just remember how calm uh, Galarraga was. When, yeah. he, when he didn't get the call, he just kind of smiled. You know, he just mm-hmm. kind of smiled and went back to the mound and, you know, got the last out. But, you know, just, a, you know, if there was ever – you know, a case to be made for replay, that was it. And Jim Joyce was a good umpire. He was he was a, one of the best umpires in baseball, and he missed it. And he missed it. I remember talking to him. You know, everybody was crowded around him after the game outside the umpire's room at, uh, at Comerica Park, and he was crying. He was crying that, that he'd, he'd robbed this kid of a, of a, you know, perfect game, no hitter, perfect game. And uh, the next day, I mean, I mean people were ready – People, the Detroit fans were were enraged, you know. But you mm-hmm. know, I'll never forget how Leland really handled it well. Um, and the next day, I want to say uh, that you know they had uh, Joyce and uh, Galarraga, you know, met at home plate. Mm-hmm. They gave Galarraga a Corvette. That was. You know, no, like, I was going to say that. Yeah, he, he got the car anyways. So. Yeah, he got the car. But uh, but I rem- I was walking down the steps because I was looking for him. I was walking down the steps from the uh, Tigers dugout and he was walking down and the PR guy was whispering in his ear, telling him, you know, what was going to happen. <clears throat> and Colorado goes, really, we got to do this. Like he was, he did, that was the last thing he wanted to do, but he was right. a good sport about it. And, uh, you know, he went out there and, and, uh, you know, shook Joyce's hand. And I think, you know, the, at least the fans were happy, but Colorado, I don't think was really, he never pitched, that well again, you know, no, he, he kind he, of dropped off the face of the earth. He actually got demoted uh, later on that season. He, he sort of went downhill from there. So uh, that was a, uh, you know, a, a sort of a sign <laughs> that things weren't going to go his way that year. Yeah. Uh, and he's a, a big guy, great stuff, but uh, he it, never really kind of rebounded after that. Yeah. Really killer slider that night. Uh, w- w- really just sort of baffled the Indians hitters. Uh, you made the point about, uh, you know, the case for instant replay. Replay was already, you know, instituted back then. It was for home well, runs, I believe. Yeah, it was, right. It was very, yeah, yeah. very the boundary limited. calls, the boundary right. calls, right? Yeah, uh, 2008 was when it debuted. But, you know, after that, and certainly that had to be one of the cases cited for the expansion of it, uh, replay – was expanded in, in 2014 as part of the collective bargaining agreement. Of course, we always go back to the union negotiations, huh? Yeah. Uh, but that was part of the collective bargaining agreement. They, they expanded the elements to what was allowed uh, to be covered in under replay review. And that's when you get uh, these, these managers challenges and, uh, and the, the delays that we have in some of these games and, and, you know, that sort of position. So, you know, from from that happening, it sort of spurred this where we are today with replay and you know good, bad, or indifferent. Whether you like replay uh, being part of baseball or not, getting a call like that right, you know, wouldn't have been a problem back then. Right, right. That's, Armando Galarraga would have had his perfect game. Yeah, definitely. If replay as it is as it exists now had been instituted at that point. And I think he petitioned Selig. Selig was the commissioner. He right. petitioned him, and he'd see like wouldn't change it. But, you know, I remember uh, this flash forward, like, uh, you know, to, to the World Series. It was St. Louis and Texas. Mm-hmm. And Jim Joyce's umpire in third base. 
and there was a, a you know a tough obstruction call at at, at third base. The run right. scored, and Joyce was on it from from the get go. Had the, had the right call. No one really knew what happened, but you know the replay showed Joyce raising his hand and making the obstruction call. And the run count. The run came home. And right. He was really a good umpire. I, I always felt bad about that. Yeah, and 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 he said, I, I believe his quote after the game was, "It was the biggest call of my career," and I and I I kicked and it. I kicked it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's it, that that's you know tragic for for that guy, but you know you got to feel it bad hurt. For it hurt. It hurt Colorado a lot. Yeah, more. yeah I'd, I'd say so. A lot more. <laughs> no, he could have could have had the twenty first perfect game in Major League history. And been a did. contender. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so yeah, moving forward, uh, we've we've got uh, you know draft talk coming up this week, which will be a nice welcome distraction from all this uh, labor negotiations. And then hopefully they get their uh, you know they get their heads in the right place, they get their, themselves together, and give us something to to write about maybe over the weekend. And and by this time next week, we're looking at uh, you know what a potential schedule could look like maybe, and that that's that would be a welcome distraction as well. Yeah, Joe, and those those sobs you heard were from San Diego were coming from uh, uh, Jordan Luplo when he when he saw that Manny Benuelos how they said Manny, Manny Benuelos yeah was was uh, released by the Mariners so uh, he's not going to be able to he's not going to be able to face Manny anymore oh no well he wouldn't have been able to face him this year anyways because of yeah the, that's right that's right the but, division but. Uh, hey, hopefully uh, with uh, Gio Gonzalez and the uh, the White Sox loading up on some left-handers in the offseason, uh, maybe maybe Jordan can uh, can find a new lefty to beat up on in the the in, on the, in the South Side uh, when the Indians play the White Sox. Uh, Hoinsey, uh, good to talk to you again, and we'll look forward to uh, chatting with you again tomorrow. All right, Joe.